CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. there. We're live at the Nasdaq market site on this summer Friday. And Tim here stuck around for the big show. Here's what's coming up. Delta shares have been up, up and away this year. And Mike Coe and his co-pilot Tim Seymour think the sky is clear for the stock ahead of earnings next week. They'll lay out the trade. Plus, the Dow hit a new record this week. But there's a handful of stocks sitting on the bench. Because the chartmaster says there's one name to play for a breakout. He'll tell us what that is. And financials have been on fire, but my co says it could be time to take your money and run as the group gears up for earnings this month. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we start with the financials, a bright spot in the markets today. The XLF financials ETF hitting a fresh 2019 high, now up 6% in just the last three months. But with earnings season just around the corner, should you take your money and run? Let's get in the money and kick it over to Mike Coe in San Francisco. Hey, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so, you know, financials is an interesting situation, as you pointed out. I mean, it's a great performing sector so far this year. And one of the reasons for that clearly was that when they hit those lows in December, a lot of the big names in the group were trading at very cheap multiples. You know, oftentimes with the big banks, people like to look at their price to tangible book. But we have gotten a situation here where these stocks have actually moved quite sharply. And they're getting, I think, maybe towards the upper end of their valuation range that we've seen over the last couple of years. What's interesting, too, to me is that in the same time frame, we've seen implied volatility, the price of options, drop considerably. And we're going into now a period when most of the largest constituent of the XLF are going to be reporting pretty soon. And we're talking about, number one, Berkshire Hathaway, and of course, the big uh, banks. We're talking about J.P. Morgan, Citi, Wells Fargo, and so on. XLF, the three-month options on this thing, have an implied volatility of about 15%. That's about as low as we typically have seen it. So when we think about the valuation range being at the upper end and the options prices being at the lower end, it seems to me that when you have a catalyst like this, and this isn't the only catalyst that could affect them, by the way, it might make some sense to either make a bearish bet or at the very least look for inexpensive ways to hedge your financials exposure. So. I was just looking out to August. You could buy a $1 put spread, the 2827 put spread. So that was essentially the at the money put spread. When I was looking at this earlier today, you could have bought the 28 puts for about 49 cents, sold the lower strike puts for 23. Net net, you're spending about 26 cents. Remember that when we buy put spreads, we're usually looking to spend somewhere in the neighborhood of a quarter of the distance between the strikes. So in this case, that's 25 cents. So that's right where we're looking for in a sweet spot, a nice three to one payoff there. So I, and it kicks in essentially right here because XLF closed just above 28 bucks. So to me, it's hard for me to understand why after a rally like this, one wouldn't at least consider a trade like this, which is an inexpensive way to make a bearish bet. How does this rally look to you? Well, remember, if you think about it, year-to-date, S&P's up 9, 192 The financials up 18.3. BKX only up 16 and change. So adjusted for beta, they have a higher beta in the market. They're actually pretty, pretty bad performers. And in general, if and as this rate environment continues, and that's the bet, the banks in principle aren't going anywhere. 
Yeah. I, I, look, I'd say two things about banks. One is that we've been in this environment where banks have had so many headwinds in terms of real curve compression, et cetera, that actually we've probably faced the worst of that in this short term, in, in my view. I think we've actually seen, obviously, as the Fed has stepped in to ease some tension on, on where they're going with rates or add some stimulus to the market, you've seen some steepening the yield curve. We just got through the CCAR events. J.P. Morgan, to me, uh, I was impressed by the fact that these guys almost flunked the first round as a function of trying to be more aggressive in terms of their dividend payout. J.P. Morgan has underperformed the group, actually, over the last couple months. And to me, this is the best of breed. So if I was going to be playing XLF here, I'd probably either be doing it on a spread with a J.P. Morgan long and short against the XLF. But either way, I kind of like the banks here. I think they've been much maligned uh, with increased payouts, great uh, valuations relative to their own history, and I think you know, they've underperformed the S&P by 2% in the last year. Something you and I were talking about a show or two ago is about the brokers versus the banks. Goldman yep. was one of them. I mean, if you had to choose that choice, so would you rather sort of Goldman or Morgan Stanley versus a, a money center bank, would you rather Look, do it? There's so much that I love right now. I love being on OA on a Friday afternoon. I love the fact that Carter stole the mantle from I you know. and threw a would you rather at me. I know what the heck is going on. And I'd love to answer that. And, and I think ultimately, uh, if I could would you rather back, I'd say, you know, I'd rather a Blackstone um, rather uh-huh. than a money. So if I'm looking at the components of the XLF, I'd actually like to break it down and then say, you know, one of the, the, the private equity firms that actually yeah. in a lower rate environment is seeing more exits. Blackstone's been a monster. Just been a new high the other day. Um, Mike, I know you have until August for this trade, but in terms of the financials, usually you get, you know, them sort of trickle out in in a clump. But J.P. Morgan usually goes out first. Citi goes out in the beginning as well. How actively do you manage this? If you see that initial drop, are you inclined to, to maybe even take it off beforehand? Yeah, I think this is something that you would probably look to monetize pretty quickly because bear in mind, you're not going to have to see it move very far before this spread is in the money. So it has to go from 28 to 27, then you basically have captured the width of the spread. If it gets below 27, what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing that that spread is going to go very much to the full potential value. And obviously, then the risk-reward relationship changes dramatically. And I would just ask people to consider the following. Do you think that there is a chance that XLF could drop you know, say one and a half, two percent between now and August expiration, uh, the probability of that seems very good to me. That it could go down five percent, that also seems like a pretty good chance between now and August expiration, bearing in mind that's more than four weeks away. So, you know, we always get to see a little bit of volatility. We're going to have earnings. That's when volatility tends to emerge. And on the valuation front, I would just leave you with this one last thought as well, which is that low rates obviously would encourage people to borrow, but they still need to go out and do it. It's one of the things that we've seen in real estate mortgages is that when real estate home prices are very high, sometimes you're still not getting the origination that you would hope to simply because it's preventing from new buyers from entering the marketplace, even though you have those very low rates. Mm -hmm. All right, good points there. From financial fever to stocks that have been left out in the cold, check out some of the Dow stocks that are deep in the dumpster. Walgreens, 3M, Caterpillar, Boeing, Intel, United Health, all down double digits from their 52-week highs, even as the Dow touched a record this week. But the chart master says there is one name that could play catch-up. So, Carter, head on over to the plasma. Show us what you're looking Sure, at. so this is a retailer, and actually that's kind of the point that Grasso was making. Maybe there are retailers. Now, Macy's, we'll see, but let's focus on WBA. This is a retailer, or you can call it a healthcare stock, but what you can call it is a laggard. And the issue is, does it play catch-up? I think there's a trade. Here is a 2004 to present, and you've got our divergence, right? In fact, Walgreens having peaked some... CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. 
time ago. Uh, it's now, right now, 40% below its 52-week high. And this divergence, not necessarily with the S&P, but it's a part of the story, is the opportunity. Let's zero down on the stock itself and see what we can get. So that's sell-off. What was it? It's two things. First of all, put in the numbers. It is a 50% decline, 40%. Here's a zoom so you can see the number, right? That's, that's a big sell-off. And not only is it a 50% sell-off, it's right down to support, right? So it hit that line really quite nice, right? Finding a level where in principle support comes into play. And the whole thesis here is that having sold off 50% down to a level where rebound potential is high, that will play for a rebound. Zero in a little more. Now here is the one-year chart. Again, we're down some 40% from the high, 85, we touched 50. But it's this basing action that's important. First, we've just now broken above the downtrend line. We've just touched it. Let's get that zoom again and you can see it. We are now officially above the line. That's important. Where might this go? We close at 55.19 today. Let's go a little more. I think ultimately we're going to get close to filling this gap. This line here is at 59, so it's 7, 8% uh, plus minus is what I'm looking for. And I think uh, this basing, uh, this diverged with the S&P, and the fact that it was a 50% sell-off down to support is the opportunity. Walgreens on the long side. Thanks, Carter. Why don't you come back over to the desk? And Carter was very um, crafty because WBA always was crafty. his final trade on Fast Money. But tonight we're going to do things a little bit differently. In an options action first, Carter is going to also give us the trade on Walgreens. And some foreign right here, too. It's nice. So break it down, Carter. Sure. So uh, put on a risk reversal, I guess. Basically what this is, stock close at 55.19. And I would like to get long, but at a lower price. So two ways to do that. Um, one, wait for the lower price. That's not what we're going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to buy the 57 and a half calls and spend a dollar 80. But we're going to try to get some money back two ways. We're going to sell the 52 and a half puts underneath and take in a buck 60, and we're going to sell the 65 calls and take in 20 cents. So no cost on the trade. We effectively get long here, if you will. And worst case, it's put to us at 52.50. Mike Coe. Be the arbiter of Carter's trade. Okay, there's uh, there's a lot of things I like about it. There's one thing I'm not quite Hope as so. crazy about. Oh, let's start no. with the things that I let's let's start with the things I do like. You know, first of all, <laughs> Carter's trying to target some fairly specific levels. I think that's an intelligent way to try to construct options plays uh, to begin with. So, selling a downside put that's a high probability bet. We like that. You're going to get long the stock, which you want to do at a lower price. We like that idea as well. Buying the upside call, obviously, if you sell a put, you have, you know, capped profits. If you buy that upside call, you don't. So that's a nice thing as well. The only thing I'm not so crazy about is selling that upper strike call for just 20 cents. Now, sometimes that can make sense if the options expiration is relatively close to where we are right now, but we're going all the way out to October. So selling a call option for 20 cents, I know why he's doing that. It makes it very neat. You're just laying out no premium. But the fact is that there's a lot that can happen between now and then. And if you want to have a trade that you can monetize more easily, I might leave that part out. It's only a 20 cent difference anyway. So I might just stick with the risk reversal, selling the downside put and then buying that first upside call. Leave out the, uh, the shorting of the upper strike call, though. I don't think you're really getting that much for it.
Well, my, my view here is on Walgreens. If I, if I could dump, jump in this dumpster with, with <laughs> Carter, um, I, I actually like the trade because I think the reimbursement issue for uh, retail pharma is well out there, very much in the price. And I actually think that there is some near term. I think there's more upside to the stock than there is downside. So I'll let the options guys take it from there. But the bottom line here is this is a company that's counteracting margin pressure from reimbursement by uh, procurement optimization. They've got a massive cost, cost, cost cutting uh, dynamic with the company. I, I like it. Last quarter, it, last quarter beat, I, the, so the fundamentals sound, and, and you concur to some extent, right? The chart looks good. Uh, and to Mike's point, selling the, the, you know, the upside, the 65 for only 20 cents, it was to create an even spread where there's right. no cost out. Uh, but also, going, I don't think it could get past that, because that's about 20% from here. It's a low beta, slow-moving stock with issues. I just don't think I, I'm going to risk that much by selling the 65s. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. It is great for when you're chilling by the pool, hanging at the beach, or maybe you just want to put the kids to bed. (laughs) Here's what's coming up next. That's right, Options Action fans. Get ready, because there's about to be the ultimate tag team with Mike Coe and Tim Seymour on soaring airline stock Delta. You won't believe how high they see it going. Plus, Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air. When Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Delta hitting a bit of turbulence today after a nearly 20% run this year. But with earnings next week, Tim and Co. think it could be clear skies ahead. So you know what time it is. That's right. Time for a little Options Action tag team action. So guys, take it away. Tim. Excellent. Now, love. Let's tag team it, Mike. Let's tag team. Let's do this. Look, I, the, the call here for me on Delta is there's a couple main things. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. About This has now become the best of breed of all the majors. First of all, they just gave you their, their second quarter EQ guidance, where basically they basically told you at the top end of the range. They also reaffirmed that RASM is going to be at the better end of expectations. Again, that's revenue per available seat miles. So for airlines, something people are watching. Guess what's happening for these guys? They're actually benefiting. That's right, benefiting from the max. And I'm talking about, obviously, Boeing's issues that's had capacity issues and lowered the ability of some of the core competitors, especially United, uh, to be able to meet some of the demand. They've picked that up. And it's amazing how Delta's management team seems to be avoiding some of the potholes in the industry, of which there's always something for airlines. These guys seem to be doing it. To me, this is very much a high conviction long, and I want to just show you the chart on this thing. And the reason is that because not only has it held the bottom end of a range, if you look back over a year, and again, I am talking about these levels <laughs> somewhere right around 50, it's been a very nice tight trading range. And yes, I actually think we could start to kind of head up that way because the fundamentals have become so interesting for a company that's probably as 
good, well, as well run as any of the majors, but also you've seen an investor sentiment change. If you asked investors, and in fact, there's been a couple uh, sentiment you know, kind of polls in the sector, and these guys actually, Delta seems to be the upside. So again, 10 times six and a quarter takes to 60 and a half. I think that's conservative. And ultimately, I'd like to see what Mike has to say about that. So let's bring him on in. So, yeah, I mean, I'm actually with you on Delta. I mean, I, and the 737 MAX thing is obviously very interesting. Obviously, we have lower fuel costs, which generally has been a tailwind for the airlines. Obviously, it represents one of their lar- larger operating expenses, although it has sort of a conflicting issue sometimes because some of the older aircraft can sort of stay in the fleet and keep capacity up. But one of the things I would point out is that we've got earnings coming up in Delta. The stock has already made a decent move going. We've just recently seen a 7% pop in the stock. But it doesn't move that much around earnings, which is kind of interesting to me. When you consider the space, we think of it as being a volatile one. But this is not a stock that has really moved very much. We've actually only seen one. And out of the last eight quarters, we've only seen one move where the stock actually moved more than 4%. So I don't think we necessarily want to buy short-dated options. The other thing I find interesting is that the longer-dated options are actually quite cheap. So I think the way for us to make a play here is to put on an upside calendar spread. I was looking specifically at the July-September 60 calendar spread. I could sell the July 60s at 65 cents and buy the September 60s for $1.65. Net-net, I'm spending a dollar. That's less than 2% of the current stock price. The idea here being that this earnings report is likely also going to be somewhat muted. Even if it isn't and it rallies, that's not going to hurt us so much, but that near-dated option is going to decay away. Then we get to own that September 60 call for a cheaper price. That's really the idea here. We get some of the optionality with a little bit less premium spend and getting rid of some of that decay. So I think the airlines continue to look cheap. They have obviously done a much better job operating. And, of course, consolidation has helped that a great deal. And, you know, I mean, look, there's not a lot of places in the market where you're getting single-digit multiples. The airlines continue to be one of them. And some of the issues that Tim was pointing out, these things take a little while to resolve. So whatever benefits they're going to get from that are probably going to last a little while. Carter. There's several things that are quite desirable, at least from my seat. Its performance relative to other transports is particularly good. Crude behaving the way it's behaving is good for Delta. And the chart is ideal. It's well-defined tops at a common level. And the presumption is an important breakout above the 60 level. I think you could get 63 to 65 out of it. Mm-hmm. You're in a couple of different airlines, so Delta stands out. I'm long Delta. I'm long United. But Delta stands out both on valuation. You know, the one issue for all the street, again, if you're talking about a call spread, even out to September, we're, we're going into potentially a period where people are questioning global growth. Uh, and airlines sometimes are, are basically traded first and people ask questions later. You could make an argument that Delta trades at a recessionary economy level right here, Mel. And so, you know, that's the dynamic with the call spread. You're, you're of the view it's going higher in the long run. Um, I do think Delta is and best of breed relative to its peers for the first time in a long time. I don't think there's anybody close. No exposure to the max either, Mike. That's got to be a plus. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Well, it does have exposure to the max, obviously, because limited. it reduces the number of aircraft in the fleet. And, oh, you know, I the see. biggest issue consistently for the airlines has always been one of capacity. Overbuilding capacity when times are good, and that always ends up being a problem for them later on. It's also a levered industry in that respect. And the one thing I would add to Tim's point, just basically about a pricing in a recessionary situation here already, is the fact that we're going to end up just being long a call option. And being long a call option is a lot like owning the stock with a protective put. So really what we're going to get is significant participation to the upside should it continue to rally. But if it does not, our risk is limited, and it's limited to the premium we spent, which is $1, which, again, is less than 2% of the current stock price. That's not a great deal, basically, to get participation through September expiration. 
All right. Well, Delta may be soaring this year, but not every transportation stock is on board with the rally. And Cohen Carter say there is more pain for one name in particular. We'll tell you what has them so nervous. Plus, hey, you out there. Yep, I'm talking to you. Got a question for the traders? Send us a tweet <laughs> to add options action. We will do our best to answer it in the show. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more options action still ahead. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back on one of our open trades. A few weeks ago, Carter and Mike made a bet that FedEx would break down. FedEx is back at its Christmas low. Now, it's bounced a little bit, and I think that's obvious and elemental. But the question is, is it really going to carry much further? I think no. I'll make a bet that uh, this is the beginning of yet more trouble. I was looking at the July 170, 175 call spread, and I want to sell that call spread. Well, that trade is in ship shape. FedEx is down 4%. So, Mike, how are you managing, managing this? Yeah, so you do need some management on this trade here because we sold that call spread for just under two bucks. You could have bought it back to, on today's closing prices at 25 cents, which means essentially all the money that we could make, we have made. However, assuming Carter agrees that we want to stay short FedEx, what one could do is roll this trade further out in time after you cover the short bet that we've already made. Carter? Right. So obviously what we have, we've eaten most of it. Now the question is to just go on to something else or, uh, as Mike is saying, stick with this in a different form or fashion. I think we do. Something must be wrong with FedEx. It even put out its numbers so we don't have earnings risk ahead of us and the stock just will not perform. I love the insults here. Obvious but elemental um, is is a way Carter throws some shade on options. I love it. Uh, Look, I I think FedEx has seen a lot of shade over the last couple months. The fact that their their full year 20 guide is is out there, I think there's an opportunity for a lift in the stock. I think there's a lot of bad news in it. Trough valuation. All right. Coming up, tweets and the final call. Welcome back. Time to take your tweets. Adrian asks, how far out do you buy protective SPY puts in both expiration and strike price? Mike, what do you tell Adrian? I like 60 to 90 days, and I like the 30 delta puts, which on SPY would right now translate to the 290s, which we're trading right around 4 bucks. But selling the 270s against it for a buck fifty cheapens it up a bit. So that's the trade I would look at here. That was a lot in a very short amount of time. Time for the final call. Let's go around the horn. Mike Coe, what do you say? Yeah, I'm with Tim, and I like calendar spreads in delta. Carter Braxton Worth. If you want a stock, Walgreens Boots on the long side. If you want a stock, try gold. That's a first, a double final trade, final call on there the same stock. Nice. Tim, thank you so much for joining us, first of all. It's a pleasure, man. This is a, a fun Friday afternoon. I, I think in the airlines, there's some of the best trading stocks out there. You have a very defined bottom and delta around 50 bucks, and I think that upside is something that is worth playing to break out above 60. All right. That does it for us here on Options Action. We hope you have a great holiday weekend. Catch us back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.